welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday afternoon, East Coast, but Monday morning, West Coast, for the two folks who are joining me, both in LA. Uh, first off, actually, the San Fernando Valley, I think, at this point, Ramona Shelburne. I want oh, to yeah. be clear. 818. There you go. Um, and joining us uh, from, um, you're in Los Angeles proper. I won't say where. Los Angeles proper. Yeah. Yes. That works. He, li- he lives. <laughs> on the west side of LA in a lovely neighborhood, Dave McMenamin, our Lakers writer. Um, so we're going to talk some Lakers. We'll talk Philly. You guys both know Philly as well. Dave, you're from yeah. Philly. Mm-hmm. Ramona, you've, you've uh, written a lot about Philly, including a terrific TikTok. I just want to say something, Dave. So I was with Ramona at five o'clock <laughs> L- yeah. L- LA time on Thursday two hours or so after the deadline, maybe yeah. longer, maybe it was five 30. Oh yeah. Five, five 30, something like that. She had not written a word and she was an hour away from her home, Dave. <laughs> and by the next like afternoon, she and Woj, um, although I kind of, you know, Ramona is the, She's the heavy. I, I'm not out of school when I say you're the heavy lifter on these TikToks, Ramona. Is yeah, I mean, it's, it's, well, but Woj, Woj get, sent a lot of stuff. There was okay. There was a. There was a. How there was lo- definitely a collaboration. How long was that story? That story was like thousands of words with all of this reporting, and you turned it around in like sixteen hours. But some of those hours, I hope you slept. It was. It was impressive. Yeah. Well, um, thanks, Brian. Like you know, there was. Um, I don't think I started writing till about. I don't know, 9 30, 10 o'clock LA time because I have wow. a three-year-old. So I drove home. I was making calls on the way home. I, you know, I'm still reporting. You still have to report. Right. Like it's not. Right. And then, um, and then I had to put my kid down, <laughs> right? Like there's a, there's like, I, I took a break from about seven 30 to eight 30, nine o'clock years to, to do bedtime, you know, to do that, <laughs> like feed him dinner and do bedtime. And then, um, I think I did a call with my editor about nine just to kind of Christina Douglas was the editor on the story. I did a call with her about nine talked for 20, 30 minutes, just kind of like say, here's what our themes are going to be. And here's, here's where I'm going to go. And then I just go. And then um, I have no idea if Adrian slept. It wasn't much if he did um, because he had been going all day and I just said, okay, you know, send me what you got, but um, I'm going to start writing and then I'll just work in what you have. And uh, there was like a, definitely a couple hour window there where I'm pretty sure he was sleeping but he definitely has slept the least of all of us all week. So, you know, I, but I also didn't want to text him and be like, are you sleeping? <laughs> like, that's not. Well, meanwhile, McMenamin yeah. covered a game in Portland on, yeah. Wednesday, on Wednesday night. And then I walk into the green room at yeah. the LA studios at like 10, 15 or 10, 30. Yeah. And there's McMenamin in full suit, nice and squeaky clean. And I was like, wait a minute. How'd you get? 6 a.m. flat out of Portland, just in case. Uh, But I do echo Brian's sentiments about the story. Uh, It's a must read for anyone listening. And Ramona, do you remember what I texted you after I read it? Oh, yeah, I think so. You wrote the bleep out of it. The bleep out of it. You wrote the bleep out of it. Thank you. Um, you Well, you know what? You can't, it's not, it's the writing's fine, but like that story is crazy. Like, it's like you wouldn't even believe it right like we're gonna be talking about that for you to me there's a couple stories in the nba for the last few years that we're just going to be keep writing different iterations of the story oh, yes so oh, yes. It, the number one is the Kawhi leonard free agency in 2019 
Um, there's so many ripple effects from that and, and so many good stories that came out of it. One of which involves the Lakers, right? Which was, um, you know, Russell kind of being the impetus for all of that, which, you know, calling Kawhi and saying, let's my favorite, like, like <laughs> six, six month later story about the Kawhi free agency yeah. is that he held his free agent meetings or at least his LA base was at Drake's house. Yeah, was he was using one. the he was using the Raptors plane to fly around yeah. and using Drake's house to like yep. as his L.A. base as he was deciding. I, that's you know, we'll see what happens in the next four or five months on this, puppy. which was like five minutes away from Paul George's house in Hidden Hills. I mean, that's it's I love the NBA yeah. <laughs> um, before before we talk about the Lakers, which is what we're going to do here. We'll yeah. talk about maybe Philly if we have time because uh, we're tight yeah. on time today. Ramona, I'm not I don't want to speak to anything i don't want to go outside the lines here but i just want to say ramona has something very exciting going on that she has got and i can't wait until she can talk about it but ramona i am so excited about what you've got going on and it <laughs> represents years of work i know this is awkward but i'm just i just want yeah. to sort of tickle the audience with a feather okay. um uh is that is, is that okay what would i say that's okay you, well because it's fun because there's going to be a couple things here in the next um little bit <laughs> so well yes okay yeah <laughs> there's one is definitely professional i'll leave it at that but yeah um that is just an awesome thing and yeah. so i can't wait until we can talk about it on here so i'll just uh leave it at that okay. um <laughs> so uh she's becoming a pilot dave i can't believe she's residing and becoming a pilot <laughs> um there will be a pilot involved. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Dave, um, you uh, you were just you know embedded with the Lakers as usual. Whew. And Ramona on Friday, I believe it was Friday, Dave wrote. We, we call a, a news story our our term. It's not our term. It's the industry term. We call it a newser. On Friday, Dave McMenamin wrote. One of this is a, a Hall of Fame. This Dave, this should yeah. go up in the in the Hall <laughs> it really of Fame. Was. In one story on Friday, <laughs> one morning in <laughs> in the Lakers. <laughs> well, go ahead, Ramona. I got it. I got the alert late Thursday night or whatever it was. Okay. <laughs> like I got... All right. I don't remember what day it was. Yeah. In one story, Dave wrote it had the following: one, Frank Vogel saying. Everything is fine. It was like uh, a personification of the meme with the dog in the coffee. Yeah. And that was interesting to say the least. By the way, they did end up playing very well against the Warriors. They uh, did. In their next they game. did. Then, if you that, but folks, keep reading. There's more. Then, section two of the story. Uh, yeah, when Rob Palenka said on the record in front of everybody that he and AD and LeBron were on alignment doing everything. Uh, actually doing nothing at the trade deadline. Actually, according to Dave McMenamin sources, that is 100% not true. In fact, LeBron and AD were not on board with them doing nothing. And while you're dealing with that, you keep reading. And now in the third part of the story, we have a Russell Westbrook update where Russ, Dave, what was the exact quote? I don't want to, um, to, uh, to get it wrong. The gist was that the reason he missed his first game all season in Portland was because his body wasn't used to the substitution patterns that Frank Vogel used on him, benching him down the stretch against Milwaukee the night before. So he took that extra little, you know, it's a brand new day. The clouds have parted, but there's still a shank coming from Russell Westbrook <laughs> into Frank Vogel for the way he, he, he uh, missed used the game. Him. 
because his back was hurt because he was on the bench. That's what he said. And mm-hmm. Ramona, that was the third Ooh. bullet point in the story because Dave had this other stuff to deal with. And I was like, oh, my God, any one of these in a normal day would like lead NBA today. <laughs> oh, Brian, there was, a, think- there was a fourth too. Anthony Davis didn't attempt any shots in the fourth yeah. quarter against Portland. Didn't talk to reporters afterwards. And then Frank Vogel said that was on him that Anthony Davis didn't get more shot attempts, but there- everything's bright and sunny. Everything- it's a brand new day. Dave, <laughs> I actually think we should back up to the night before the trade deadline after they have this horrible loss up in Portland, the one that you took the 6 a.m. flight. And uh, no, no, this is even before this. So this is the Milwaukee, Milwaukee game. And they have a, a, a poor showing. It wasn't as bad as the Portland game, but it was a poor showing. And LeBron says in his press conference, we're just not good enough. We're not on their level. And the newser, though, went even a little further because obviously David had been working the locker room and working sources afterwards and um, said, there's a clarity within the locker room. I, I, I'm going to let you phrase it, but the clarity within the locker room is that this changes need to be made before that, Thursday's deadline. That this roster just is not working and they would be folly to stand pat with it past the trade trade deadline. Like I, mean, I don't know if that's like as clear as reporting as I, I could do it with protecting <laughs> yeah. my sources. Yeah. And, and, Dave, I, and, Dave, and let me tell you this. this I know that the Lakers front office was aware of that story. And so it wasn't oh, like yeah. that, that messaging uh, was and lost Dave, on that. This has happened before. You've reported almost the exact same thing before with LeBron. You had a trade deadline when he wasn't happy with his team in Cleveland. And mm-hmm. then the team made an eight-player trade. I mean, maybe it was three trades that involved eight players. Yeah, or whatever. right. But and they like, made the NBA Finals. Uh, and there were other times in that run in Cleveland where uh, it was – you know, LeBron going on the record talking about them needing to not be complacent and they made the NBA finals in, in 2017 coming off the championship in 2016, uh, making a tweak to the roster, adding Kyle Korver. I'm still somewhat in shock that we are looking back at last week's trade deadline and saying that this Lakers team that was tanking free falling losers of six out of eight decided to do nothing. So Dave has covered LeBron day by day for seven years, Ramona, but I am actually crediting him an additional five years because (laughs) the Cleveland four years was actually like six and a half. And then the bubble was like actually its own year that he was in the bubble. So I don't know. My point is he really, really, really knows LeBron and LeBron Mm -hmm. speak. Dave, the when you walked away from that press conference at the uh, crypto.com arena, uh, your thought was what had just occurred. If you if you could translate, Mr. James, your your thought was um, dro- the hammer was dropped and there will be moves subsequently uh, coming. And then Ramona crickets. Yeah, whole lot of nothing. And so. I know you've talked about this a lot, but what do you, you were so eloquent and yet pointed with what you said at like three <laughs> 30 Eastern 1230, like a half hour after the deadline, yeah. you basically said, and I, I hate to make you repeat yourself days okay. later, but I, I wish you would say with your experience with the Lakers, 
which I'm giving you credit for like 25 years. It's not really that long. <laughs> but, uh, I'm giving, I've, I've awarded you bonus years as I have today. Your, your, your interpretation was what? My interpretation was the Lakers front office and that includes ownership. So let's just say the Lakers organization from ownership on down decided you guys got yourself into this. This is the bed you have made. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, all the future Hall of Famers. Um, this is your choice of roster and team. Go make it work. And, and we are not going to mortgage our future in terms of draft picks and in terms of taking on luxury tax now because this team isn't working yet. Go make it work. And it's the exact opposite of what LeBron was used to before, Dave, right? That's just Correct. the exact inverse. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. And so that's where they are. And so uh, something very interesting happened. Uh, I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday now because the days are scrambled in my head. Doesn't matter. (laughs) But two things I want to bring up. One, Ramona, I believe you reported that the... Lakers did have a Russell Westbrook trade with Houston that they could have done without giving up their first round pick. Mm-hmm. Is that right? You reported that? Um, the way, the way I heard it was, it could have been done for a first round pick, but then it was even suggested they could have done it for a pick swap. Right. Um, I don't know the details of what that swap would be like or how that would even right. work, but. Um, so it would have been John Wall to say, for Russell Westbrook yeah. and a draft consideration. Um yeah. There, there, there could have been first rounders moving, but it wouldn't have yeah. been losing a first rounder. Maybe there was, you thought that was something on the table. I, it was even it, like, let's, let's put it this way. They would have had to incentivize Houston to do the trade right. um, with some kind of draft compensation. I think it was even less than what I, what people have assumed. Um, but I think the Lakers are not ready to pull the ripcord on that Russell Westbrook exper- experiment. I think they feel like, they haven't done that. The team, the coach, the coaching staff, everything has not done enough to say, this is a, this isn't going to work. Like Russell Westbrook is a future hall of famer. There are different ways that he can be used. And, and, and by the way, some of this is on Russ too. Okay. Russ can still change more too. Um, But I think they feel like they gave up so much to get him and he is a really talented player if used correctly. Um, And he has not been used in any kind of way that he's comfortable with or has been used or been good before. Um, We can argue forever about whose fault that is. I would say it's a lot of both. I think both sides take some, take some, um, and some of it's just reality. Like you're playing with LeBron now. 
and it's a different, it's a different setup for him than he's ever been in. But, um, I think they just feel like you can't keep changing all the time. Um, especially when, a, a tr- just change for change sake. I mean, that's kind of the phrasing I've heard is like, let's not make a change just to make a change. Like, let's make a change when we know it's going to make us a lot better. And I've even, Brian, heard, you know, this, this phrasing of like, this is probably going to be the roster next year too. And obviously a lot of the, 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 the players on the other, you know, the, the minimum contract guys will change, but um, I think this is what they got. And there was a couple of weird signals that I've seen since that. Like, I, I don't think um, LeBron's been in a situation where it just gets told no flat out um, very often, especially when, uh, especially when there's a chance, like when not you have LeBron in your team. Not with the this stakes high. at this level. That's yeah. right. I mean, even Dan Gilbert eventually kind of bent. And the Dan Lakers Gilbert, really. Dan Gilbert kind of told him no about on the Kyrie trade. Uh-huh. And it didn't go well after that. Just, yeah. I, I think that, I think that was the, the a grease that was applied to the skids of him out of town, quite frankly. Yeah. And, and I think what's, I mean, there was a part of me that was like, it, I couldn't believe that with all the pressure on them that had been put on publicly and privately and throughout the league that they did nothing. I was like, and on the one hand, I was like, Whoa, that is, that is a risk that you are taking right now. But on the other hand, I kind of respect the like fortitude. There's some like intestinal fortitude to just, stand in there and, and when the heat's turned up that high and just say, Nope, we're sticking to our guns. I mean, it, it actually reminded me a bit of their coaching search when they ended up hiring Vogel, right? They, they don't hire LeBron's preferred choice, which is Ty Lue. They don't get Monty Williams. They get on to Frank Vogel, who was just such a random name out of nowhere when they, when that name surfaced. Right. And then they have this Frank Vogel, Jason Kidd, uh, staff that's handpicked by the front office and ownership. Like that is a really strange coaching arrangement. And I'll never forget uh, Brian. I don't know if you were there for the Dave definitely was um, the press conference where, okay, here's, here's Frank Vogel and it, poor guy. I mean, he was just going to get all the questions. It was just Rob Plank answering questions. His Vogel's Frank, you know, Vogel's press conference, right. His introduction. I respected con- the way Frank handled that day because yeah. um, d- magic had done oh. either a, Magic yeah. had done an interview the day First before. First take, yeah. yeah. That's right. And the day, the day of, morning of. Day yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. And poor Frank just like was dropped into the middle of that uh, snake right. pit. And yeah. Frank and I, handled it. Frank handled it with the ease and grace that he has handled his whole tenure with, pretty much. In my yeah. And, I, and and Dave, the most important thing about that press conference wasn't what anyone said. It was the fact that LeBron showed up and stood in the gym during the entire press conference and to, to signal support. And I remember they didn't have Anthony Davis by that point. This was just, this was pre Anthony Davis trade. And so in terms of how much pressure the organization was under to do something, to not waste this experiment with LeBron James coming off a horrible year after magic had stepped down, after magic had torched them on first take a couple of times, and then you trot out Frank Vogel, who has like no connection to the, the city great, or the, the world, great moment. Amazing. That I, the great moment that I remember, of course, the meme is I'm not going to be here. You know, when he, <laughs> when he resigned the last night of the regular season, but we went on first take. I can't remember if it was Max Kellerman or Stephen a who asked, uh-huh. maybe it was Molly. 
well, Magic, is there anybody else at the Lakers who you say backstabbed you? And he goes, no, just Rob. (laughs) 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 Just so nonchalant, but yet so vicious. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, Mr. Plinka, now you can uh, name your coach uh, 15 minutes later. I mean, it was just like, oh, my God. Things were not good in the Laker uh, sphere right there. The concept that they were about to win the title. Like, I know they had LeBron James, but the idea that they would be winning a title within 12 months. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't within 12 months. It was a lot longer because of COVID. But the bubble, yeah. It was in, It w- nobody would have taken that. I mean, I don't even know if LeBron would have admitted that that could have happened. <laughs> Ramona, let me ask you this, though. Uh-huh. And I understand the parallel between that moment and the trade deadline moment that yeah. you're drawing. But if we're going to say that this was a move, a gut check moment for the front office and sticking to their guns. Where was that gut check moment last summer when the Russell Westbrook trade came up on trade deadline, when there was already another trade in mm-hmm. place for Buddy Heels? Good point. Like, where, where was that, that moment now? So to, to me, if you are going to establish that you have this partnership with your stars on your team, mm-hmm. then you better stay all in on it. And if the signaling is that, they want major changes once again. Why at this moment do you decide not to? Because it, to me, it sounds like because they didn't want to take on more money. Yeah. Like well, the John Wall trade would be more money, but but it, the John Wall trade is um, well, that's there just was sort of iteration of the, There was an iteration of the John Wall trade yeah, that that's right. it, it included Christian Wood that would have involved yeah. more money. That's and right. I've been told from Houston, uh, from a, a source within Houston, that, that there was a message that, that the Lakers were not willing to take on more money. Yeah. That's kind of the word around the league is that the Lakers were making calls. If there was a trade there that made sense, they would do it. But the, um, I've heard it described as, you know, maybe half-hearted efforts. Like they, they would do something if it was like low hanging fruit, but they weren't really willing to feel any pain, uh, whether that was luxury tax money, whether that was more encumberments in the future, whether it was draft compensation, um, in other words, they, you know, they, they called around, they tried to do some things, but there wasn't a sense of the same kind of urgency that I think you heard from um, the players the night that, that, that Milwaukee um, game, and especially after the Portland game. Um, and I think what was when, what was what's interesting is like, I, you know, what I would say is probably what the difference is, Dave, between um, this summer and now is that the team hasn't played well. You always have more leverage when you're playing well. You have more leverage to say, this is what we should do um, when things have gone well, right? When, you know, no, LeBron is playing amazing. LeBron is playing out of his mind. Um, but the team isn't winning. And so, like, I just think, like, there's a, there's a sunk cost aspect to this. Um, that's, that the is, the, that's the way the Cavs looked at I mean, yeah. in reference to, I, meant, I mentioned the Kyrie Irving trade, part of that, stare down was that LeBron would not extend his contract. Mm-hmm. Dan Gilbert was like, look, we'll try to get Paul George. We'll try to get, mm-hmm. we'll do something else with Kyrie, but you got to extend. And LeBron yeah. was like, I'm not extending. And so Dan Gilbert was like, fine, I'm trading for a draft pick and we'll throw yeah. in uh, Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas. But you know, that was what the negotiation is here. LeBron is in my view. I know that there's been some like rumors to, to, about Cleveland. LeBron is fully committed to Los Angeles. Yeah. And He's under contract. He he elected to to extend his contract in a way that he wouldn't have a player option. That's right. Do you know the last time LeBron James has had a contract that didn't have a player option? His rookie deal. Okay. Cool. 
No one, I would argue that maybe no one in NBA history has had more player options than LeBron because he kept signing contracts in Cleveland that had like one year plus a player option, yep. two years plus a player option. He had like four player options just in his four years with the Cavs. So when in and the, the way LeBron did this current contract, a player option wasn't wasn't um, possible. So he he locked himself in and he's he's under contract for next year. He is totally all in on the Lakers. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I don't think he wants to leave LA. I think he's very happy. Yeah. And uh, in general, in general with his life, I'm not sure he's happy with this season. Um, and that, you know, I don't know if the Lakers took advantage of that. You know, if, if LeBron had mm-hmm. a player, uh, you know, if he had structured his contract negotiations differently and waited to sign instead of extending his contract, he potentially could have had a player option. And I wonder if they would have acted the same if LeBron had a player option. But mm-hmm. they, I don't want to say they used it against him, Dave, but they operated differently than Cleveland did um, because I don't think that they have the same fear of the of the guillotine over them. So Right, but so, so to me, though, it just comes down to what's the point of being in the LeBron James business unless you're going to be 100% in. And to me, the way they handled the trade deadline was signaling if they were not 100% in. And what does that mean? for the final stretch of his career. Are you going to, uh, the term I use with Rob Palenka in our post-trade deadline uh, conference call that you know some fans thought I was being so harsh, but are you going to shepherd the legacy of LeBron James over this final stretch? Uh, or, it's an extremely uh, fair question, quite You're going to put one foot in, one foot out. And, and by the way, whether you ask him or not, that's reality. That, that right. stress exists. And like, listen... I know there are many flaws to this season. It's uh, many of them out of the Lakers' control. The fact that LeBron's missed 17 games, the fast fact that missed that AD's missed 20 some games, um, the COVID challenges they've had, et cetera, et cetera. You know, no way you could have known that a, a bone bruise for Kendrick Nunn would have turned a value mm-hmm. contract into an albatross. Yeah, that's, of a contract, that's just bad luck, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But the three games leading into the trade deadline. You fall down by 20 to the New York Knicks with Russell Westbrook shooting, I believe, one for 10 and does not get on the court in overtime and you win. You fall down by 30 to the Milwaukee Bucks and you make a run to get it within 10 with Russell Westbrook on the bench for the final two minutes and 34 seconds of the third quarter and the entirety of the fourth quarter. And he doesn't play against Portland. The guy's not helping you win. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package.
Well, his and you got to win. Around you say yeah. you say yeah. you are obsessed as a franchise with winning. The guy's clearly not helping you win. Well, so here's what I'd say. If this is what they're thinking, this is an if. And Ramona mm-hmm. just sort of hinted that maybe this isn't the way they're thinking. But if they're saying it makes more sense for us to try to do a Westbrook trade in the summer when he becomes an expiring contract where you all of a sudden can convince a team to take him on to get mm-hmm. off of other money. When you also get an extra first round pick that you can trade, because once the league year flips over, they now have two first round picks that they're allowed to trade, even though they're way out in the future when LeBron will yep. be retired. Um, uh, when you all, and you know, they have, you know, they'll have some other expiring money as well. Like it may be better business to wait until the summer to trade Westbrook and they have the options and they just retrofit for next year. That may be what they're thinking. And they just can't say that because they're trying to get them, um, you know, uh, you know, all in on what's left of this season. But then of course, LeBron could say, I'm turning a year older next year. <laughs> next year we might so, age 38 years. I, here's the thing I would, here's one point that I want to make though. And this is not to defend or not defend anybody on this side, but there is, a, there is something in the NBA where we all have this very short-term thinking, right? And sometimes, it, you know, that's what gets coaches fired. Like you have a couple of bad games and it's like, nah, the, the team's not responding. We got to get rid of it. Um, but there's something like just in life and in anything, like when things get bad, um, have you, do you have enough sample size to say this isn't going to work? Or is there a scenario where if you just have some, if you just dig in and work on it, can things actually change? And I think there is a, a sentiment. I, I mean, I know there's a sentiment there that they have not coached Russell Westbrook in a way to really make him change or do the things that they want him to do until very recently, because Dave, as you know, like this benching of Westbrook, this just started a couple weeks ago. Okay. This idea that the staff could, if he wasn't doing what he, what they wanted him to do or what they told him to do, et cetera, if he wasn't playing quote unquote the right way in their minds um, that there would be consequences and the consequences are benching a future Hall of Famer. This is it, this is very hard to stomach, but we haven't really seen the effect of that yet. And the effect of, um, well, maybe this is what gets Russ to, to do all the things that they want him to do. Maybe this is what gets him to engage defensively in a team defensive concept. Uh, here's because the he's thing. losing I, minutes to Austin Reeves for, you know. I agree with both of you. <laughs> being around the NBA, I agree with what Dave said, which is yeah. the guy had played more minutes than anybody in the NBA and they're, they're five mm-hmm. games under 500. That's a sample size. Yeah. But I have also seen teams in February who look like they are lost and in trouble yeah. with no hope and they're able to retrofit something and they, you know, it's one of my credos about the NBA is there's always time. Yeah. Seasons are long, games are long, playoff series are long. Yeah. I think you guys are both right. I think the Lakers are taking the path of cheaper resistance, both in assets and actual money and hoping for the best. But I think you're both right. I'm going to read you guys a quote because the position that Ramona just presented struck me because I feel like I heard it somewhere before. Dave always remembers stuff like this. This this stuff is hard. And you got to stay together if you got the guts and you don't find the first door and run out of it. Anyone name that quote? Who who said it? Patrick. And when? Patrick. 
Riley. That is correct. Brian. 2014. And Good, how'd, that, Dave. How, how'd that play with uh, the old LeBron James camp back then? See ya. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> I remember sitting at that press that was conference. Good pull right there, Dave. I remember sitting. I remember sitting at that press conference going, Pat, you've been with LeBron for four years and you are not reading him correctly here. Mm -hmm. I didn't know for sure he was leaving, but I was like, but it's different now. Like, here's the thing. This is not the same because LeBron's under contract. He's under contract and he likes LA. So, I mean, it's, it's a little like, you know, I just got done covering the the Sixers and the hard trade and yada. yada. I mean, Brooklyn had to trade a distressed asset. Okay. James Harden wanted out. He wanted only to go to one team and he wanted it now. Okay. This is a hard trade to make to get any kind of value. I mean, at this point, your trade, I mean, same kind of trade to get Ben Simmons out. He, he just wants out, but he's not helping you with his value. But you have just, it only takes one, right? It only, Brooklyn's leverage was they knew how much Daryl Morey wanted Ben. Their Brooklyn's leverage is they know how much Daryl Morey wants James Harden. That's it. That's all you need. Okay. So in this situation, though, the Lakers know how much LeBron likes being here. They don't really think he's going to leave. They don't really think he's going to sabotage the end of his career. They did the same. I mean, look, Kobe Bryant wanted out too. And they said, no. Yeah. I mean, they have done this organization. Like people. But Kobe was it. under a long-term. Kobe was stuck same in the middle of a contract. He was yeah. in the middle of a contract. And Dr. Buss said, I'm sorry. We looked around. We cannot get value for you. You're just going to have to suck it up. I'll give you my word. We'll do what it takes to, to build a championship around him. And, you know, not so much longer. They go trade for Pau Gasol. And I think that's kind of where organizationally they are. They're like, I'm sorry, we can't, you know, you just have to make it work for now. We're going to try to fix this later. Um, but there's, I mean, Dave, they played great the other you night know what, in, though? in Golden State. That was with all due respect to everybody. And I'm honest. That was with Dr. Jerry at the helm. I mean, I, I just don't know if the, I mean, everybody likes and respects Jeannie, but that was, that. it's just, it's different. It was also an NBA with no revenue sharing with yeah. uh, a one-to-one luxury tax. It, they got, Dr. Jerry Buss had success in a much different Era. set of circumstances. Um, but let's talk about that Warriors game. Yes, they did play really well. Uh, they played a Warriors team that was struggling coming into it. Mm-hmm. A Warriors team that was missing Draymond Green. The Warriors team that had been getting blown out on the, the rebounding battle. And then all of a sudden they take it to the Lakers. I don't, I don't know if I could buy into like, okay, well, this look, is, that's an example of what the Lakers are going to be for the last 25 games. Look, that was a decent loss. There's no harm in losing that game. It's because you lost games like you did the Blazers that that game feels so penal. Before that's we right. go, because Ramona's got to go. It's okay, I got five, ten minutes. Okay. Stephen, Stephen A. Uh, over the weekend mentioned the concept of trading Anthony Davis. Now, let me just say, the reason I want to talk about this real quick is because I know that this is something that's going to be discussed, especially if the Lakers do not rebound and make it into the playoffs or, you know, play in tournament or whatever. I know that people are going to look at this and say they're not going to be able to get anything for Westbrook, that they should consider trading Anthony Davis. I can see this coming on the horizon. Without having done any research or anything like that, I mean, I think Anthony Davis is actually having a pretty good year. He just happens to be taking a lot of long jumpers. He's taking 10% more long jumpers than he did last year. And he's, he's missing them more. And so he, and he's been hurt. He's still having a great year. He's still in his twenties. He's under long-term contract. I think 
in a vacuum, it would be a terrible idea to trade Anthony Davis. But Stephen A didn't bring that out of thin air. He is saying that because he knows that that's uh, you know something that is going to be at least discussed in the in the world. Maybe not in some of the Lakers. Ramona, what do you think as we sit here today about the mere concept that Stephen A brought up the other day? Um, it's not the first time I've heard this concept, and I don't mean it from the Lakers, but just around the league. Like people who follow the league say, "Who you can't you you know you're not going to trade LeBron, okay?" unless he wants to be traded, but I, I doubt that um, Westbrook, you have to almost incentivize the trade to do at this point, Taylor Horton Tucker used to have value, not as much anymore. So what's, who is the only player on your roster that has some value? If you're going to reboot it, plus, you know, as Stephen A brought up, Anthony Davis has not been as durable. Um, and Anthony Davis is supposed to be the bridge. Like he's supposed to be the guy who after LeBron retires, he'll be the guy, he'll be the face of the franchise, et cetera. Have you seen enough from him in the years that he's been here to say he can be the number one guy? Is there a path forward or is it better to turn Anthony Davis into whatever you can, you know, they have no way to replenish the depth that they trade away in that Westbrook trade. They have no way to really replenish the star power um, going forward. So I just think it's, it's, it's just people looking at the situation saying this is another way out. Now, I personally think Anthony Davis is an incredibly talented player. And whenever he is healthy, he and LeBron fit together so well. Agree. So well. I I would hate for them to trade him um, because he's had some durability issues. But let's see how the rest of this year goes. Like, I mean, if if there's durability issues, there's durability issues. You you can't pretend that doesn't happen. I mean, they, I'll never forget last year, Dave. I thought they were beating the Phoenix Suns. They looked like they were winning. And then AD got hurt. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the, everything is like so much of this. Like, if you want to run back and reverse engineer, like what went wrong and why the Lakers in this position now, a lot of it is just that Anthony Davis got hurt in the Phoenix series. I think they would have beat Phoenix. Although they if were going to play this game. Let's pay attention to Chris Paul telling JJ Reddick on his podcast last week that literally he could not lift his shoulder above his, uh, you know, lift his arm yeah, above his shoulder true. for the first four games of the series. And yeah. he found it laughable when they would guard him uh, when yeah. thinking he was going to shoot because he clearly couldn't yeah. shoot. So. Yeah. Monty kept pulling him out. I mean, yeah. you were, you know, you were with the Suns at, at right. that point too. And it's, it's like, but they were, I mean, I thought AD really had a, 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 he was having his way with DeAndre Ayton. Like he was, I mean, that was, that was a great matchup for the Lakers. And then he got hurt and everything changed. I mean, it just, it was what it was, but how different is this? How different is the Lakers outlook on the summer? If they beat Phoenix, maybe they, Maybe they go on and win another round or two. Like, I, I don't know that it's sort of the, they made some big moves and big swings based off of the idea that LeBron and AD both were getting hurt more and were missing time. So they needed a third star to step in and carry them, um, which is theoretically the rationale for Westbrook over Buddy Heald, et cetera. But I think it's more, they just really missed all the depth. And I, they really, they really missed on a lot of the supporting cast. I mean, look who their best players are right now besides LeBron and AD. It's Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves. Those are not people they got out. They they could, went and got, you know, Avery and they Bradley. They deserve credit for that, yeah. right? They deserve credit for yeah. Reeves and for Johnson and for Monk and yeah, Monk. Yep. Mello is a plus mm-hmm. signing as yep. well. They've just, yeah. they, you can get, because you only got to play 12 yeah. guys, really. Yeah. So you can yeah, but what do you think like about three AD, guys Dave? wrong? You got six guys wrong. I, I think, yeah. I think. Like the one scenario, the one team you could talk yourself into, because I think they would also not trade him to Siberia, uh-huh. someplace you wouldn't want to be. Okay, Chicago 
could you get Zach Levine and Patrick Williams for him, you know, and, and feel like you got some young talent to restock, like maybe, but I am of the, the Knicks. Thinking, I think we're another one. The Knicks. I, okay. But I've seen Anthony Davis look like the best player in the league. Yeah. Um, and that's what you need to win championships. I agree. And that's why so, I wouldn't do it. That's why I wouldn't do it. Well, that'll come up again. Look, I'll just, before we go, I will just say this. If Laker fans are feeling a little down, it could be worse. You could have the Dennis Schroeder contract that you're trying to get out of. <laughs> True. Because Although, Brian, <laughs> Dennis Schroeder is a name we're going to hear quite a bit going forward. Yeah. yeah. Well, Can you imagine if that what? happens again, Dave? You would have been paying Dennis Schroeder uh, half of what you're paying Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. You'd have been paying uh, Kyle Lowry uh, about $15 or $18 million less, too. All right. Um, oh, thank yeah, you, Ramona, yeah, yeah. for giving us Thanks. time. <laughs> thank you to Dave. <laughs> um, you guys know the Lakers better than anybody, and you educate me when you guys talk about them. Thanks for listening to Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you guys later this week. <laughs>